Some of you here are on Social Security. Some of your parents are on Social Security. Some of your grandparents are on Social Security. You know why they have Social Security? Because they worked for it. They worked hard jobs for it. They have chapped hands for it. They had long hours and sore backs and bad knees to get that Social Security. And if Ron Johnson does not understand that, if he understands giving tax breaks for private planes more than he understands making sure that seniors who've worked all their lives are able to retire with dignity and respect, he's not the person who's thinking about you and knows you and sees you, and he should not be your senator from Wisconsin. Wow. Sounds like Obama means it. You know, they're bringing out the big dogs now, I guess. They may need it. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK People Powered Radio in LA, 90.7 FM, also in Santa Barbara, 98.7, and San Diego, 93.7, and where am I? And Ridgecrest in China Lake, California, on 99.5 FM. We also stream in California. No, we're on the airwaves in California. Boy, am I confused. In Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Pigelonville, New York's WLPP, in Rochester, New York on WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream, there you go, stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Burden Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com, where we are still fighting like hell every day for nearly 20 years now to protect what's left of your democracy, and we ain't stopping now. Not yet, at least. Fighting fascism, fighting autocracy, fighting misinformation... At least in this hour, we will tell you the truth. You're welcome. I can't speak for anything else around here, but that's what we do here on the broadcast. Glad you could join us for us for it. We are now one week away from what is likely to be the most critical midterm elections since the Civil War. Yes, you heard me right. What is happening right now 
Uh, as early voting is underway, and of course, uh, next Tuesday, November 8, Election Day, is likely to affect pretty much everything in this country. And as Desi Doyen has been trying to tell you on her Green News reports for so many years across the planet for decades. Oh, yes. This is a climate election. This is the inflection point for climate policy going forward, at least in the United States. Hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. Uh, and most importantly, uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about here to the point uh, the most that I am concerned about if there is to be any chance at court reform in this country. And the uh, U.S. Supreme Court heard today um, uh, uh, had held hearings on affirmative action when it comes to uh, uh, using race based points system, race-based race based consideration when it comes to universities and colleges around the country. Looks like they're planning to kill that as well very soon, based on the hearing on Monday. Uh, and meanwhile, any chance at reforming the corrupted, stolen, and packed far-right U.S. Supreme Court majority, the one that ignored all precedents to overturn Roe v. Wade— Uh, Stealing decades of well-established constitutional privacy rights and reproductive freedoms, the one that ignored precedent to make it uh, harder to protect our own citizens from gun violence, the one that made it harder, if not impossible, for executive federal agencies to deregulate deadly greenhouse gases that are warming our planet to the point of irreversible catastrophe. Yes, that Supreme Court, that corrupted Supreme Court majority that will hear a case before year's end that would allow gerrymandered state legislatures to choose any presidential electors that they wish, no matter what their state voters have to say about it at the ballot box. If there is to be any chance to reform that corrupted high court by expanding it, to unpack it, to uncorrupt it, and to rebalance it to reflect something that more closely represents the actual will of the American citizenry, well, the November 8 elections may well be the nation's last chance, last stop to create a situation in the House and the Senate and the White House to see such reforms. Last chance. Kind of important. Seems like we ought to be talking about that over our public airwaves. Because if not, this election coming up, underway now, may be the last election in the country that we can refer to as small d democratic. And that is the case even with the problems that our current electoral representative democracy now offers. Given the candidates who are running in particular for critical positions such as governor and secretary of state around the country who have stood by Donald Trump's lies about the 2020 election and have made clear that they would not have certified the 2020 results had they been in office, had they been in charge as governor or secretary of state two years ago. And the corrupted Supreme Court's likelihood of, for the first time, finding majority support for this so-called independent uh, state legislature doctrine or theory, blocking governors and secretaries of state and even state Supreme Courts and constitutions from having any say whatsoever in the way that presidents are elected in those states or members of Congress are elected in those states— leaving all of it up to only each state's legislature 
Well, given all of that, the 2024 presidential election may come down to the decisions of one or two newly elected far-right governors in states like Arizona or Nevada or Michigan or take your pick. The Republican 2020 election deniers and liars are now on the ballot in all 50 states this year. Seems sort of important. Yes, even here in California. All of that and more is why for the first time in my nearly 20 years of covering elections, I've actually called for the elections specifically of Democrats over Republicans, not to save the the Democratic Party, but to save American democracy itself. Because if American democracy goes, uh, well, so does democracy around the world. And yes, I believe it is that endangered here in this country and therefore around the world. And what we do between now and next Tuesday in the 2022 election is likely to determine the outcome of the 2024 presidential election. And frankly, whether we have a chance at continuing and improving electoral representative democracy in these United States for decades to come. You, of course, uh, may feel differently about all of this, and you're welcome to. If so, I would love to hear from you. If you agree or you disagree with me after a full month, a full month of our phones here at KPFK being down in the studio, I'm happy to say that I am told they are back up today. Desi, is that true? Is that still true? Has that changed in the last few minutes? It has not changed in the last few minutes. It worked when I tried it. So, yay. What could possibly go wrong? Anyway, uh, so finally, we will be able to take your calls today at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. For the first time in weeks, I would love to hear from you. Uh, and nearly for the last time, we'll be able to do it before Election Day, 818-985-5735. But hey, here's some good news. If Brazil, if Brazil can turn out far-right authoritarians from office, well, so can the U.S says me. Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, better known as simply Lula, has done it again, or rather the people of Brazil have done it again. The voters have done it again. 20 years after winning the Brazilian presidency, the leftist former president defeated far-right incumbent authoritarian president Jair Bolsonaro on Sunday in an extremely tight election marking an about-face for the country after four years of far-right politics. With 99.9% of the votes now tallied in the runoff, De Silva, Lula, had 50.9%. Bolsonaro had 49.1%, with the nation's election authority saying that Lula's victory was a mathematical certainty following the runoff election on Sunday. Before the vote, Bolsonaro's campaign had made repeated, unproven claims of electoral fraud— If he wasn't declared the winner, raising fears that he would not accept defeat and would challenge the results if he lost. Sound familiar? But in the end, the the voters had the last say. Today, the only winner is the Brazilian people, Lula said in a speech at a uh, hotel in downtown Sao Paulo. This isn't a victory of mine or the Workers' Parties, he said, nor the parties that supported me in the campaign. It's the victory of a democratic movement that formed above political parties. This was the country's tightest election since its return to democracy in 1985, and the first time the sitting president failed to win re-election. 
A highly polarized election in Latin America's biggest economy extended a wave of recent leftist victories in the region, including Chile, Colombia, and Argentina. Yes, elections make a difference. De Silva's inauguration is scheduled to take place on January 1. He served previously two terms as president from 2003 to 2010. Lula, however, inherits an extremely divided nation, with Bolsonaro's party still in control of both chambers of the nation's parliament. Thomas Trauman, an independent political analyst, compared the results to Biden's 2020 victory. Said, quote, people are not polarized on uh, are not only polarized on political matters, but also have different uh, values, identities and opinions. Noting what's more, they don't care what the other side's values, identities and opinions are. Well, that sounds familiar, too, but it beats the alternative of a second uh, Bolsonaro term amid a rising tide of autocracy around the globe that I would argue that I have argued and will continue to argue, must be pushed back. Bolsonaro's administration has been marked by incendiary speech, his testing of democratic institutions, his widely criticized handling of the COVID-19 pandemic and the worst deforestation in the Amazon, the lungs of the nation in the Amazon rainforest, uh, the worst deforestation in 15 years. But... He has built a devoted base by defending so-called conservative values and presenting himself as uh, protect uh, as protection from leftist policies that he says infringe on personal liberties and produce economic turmoil. Again, sounding familiar? Lula told the crowd in Sao Paulo, we did not face an opponent, a candidate. We faced the machine of the Brazilian state put at his service so we could not win the election. But the people rose up and they turned out to win anyway. Here's Lula speaking to supporters after declaring victory on Sunday. Translation courtesy of Democracy Now! I consider myself to be a candidate that has a process of reconstruction in Brazilian politics. Because they tried to bury me alive. And I am here, and I'm here to govern the country from a very different situation. But with the help of the people, we will find a way out for this country to return to being democratic, peaceful, for us to support parents, families, to build the world that Brazil needs. This is not my victory, nor of the Workers' Party, nor of the parties that supported me in the campaign. It's a victory of immense democratic movement that was more than the political parties of individual interests, of ideologies, for democracy to win. On this historic October 30th, the majority of Brazilians made it very clear that they want more and not less democracy, that they want more, not less social inclusion, that they want more and not less opportunity for all. They want more and not less respect and understanding among Brazilians. To summarize, they want more freedom, equality, fraternity in our country. Lula's victory will matter for the people of Brazil, specifically for the working people of Brazil for years to come. But as he noted, it will matter for democracy itself, because, yes, elections do matter. And if it can be done in Brazil under Bolsonaro, it can be done here in the U.S., but only if we, the people, turn out to make it so. Over the past week or two, there have been a series of sort of 
outlier polls that the media have been uh, obsessing on, I would say promoting, frankly, suggesting there is a red wave that is forming to swamp Democrats this year. Now, I don't know if that is true or not. We don't spend much time on the horse races themselves as much as we do on the track conditions on which those horses are running. But the corporate mainstream media sure has uh, played up those polls as such, as if it's, uh, you know, pretty much all over for the Democrats, but for the crying. And that could be. And no matter what, I expect there to be many extremely close races which by definition means they could end up going either way, completely dependent on turnout. Well, that and vote suppression. Well, that and whether or not votes are counted and counted correctly as per voter intent. Yeah, we have a lot to fight for this year, but it all begins with turnout. If you don't turn out, your voice will not be heard. I'm also not so sure I buy into the so-called conventional wisdom that bad polling numbers uh, tend to depress turnout where I don't know when, you know when I when a when a candidate that I support is said to be down in the polls frankly it makes me want to go work harder to support them and to help get out the vote but you know, as always, you may feel differently about that. If so, give me a call 818-985-5735 to tell me why. In any event, because I know many on the left have been feeling down about some of the polls being that are being cherry picked right now and promoted by the media. I think it is worth noting a major poll out today from The New York Times and Siena. Now, it, it was, in fact, some Times polling that has been freaking out Democrats over the past two weeks. Well, we'll see if today's polling gets quite as much uh, attention from the rest of the media. But in any event, just so that you know. After all the polling and the hand-wringing and the debates and the worry over the past two weeks about democracy itself, well, it looks like the key U.S. Senate races and control of the upper chamber along with them are pretty much exactly where we were about two weeks ago, which is to say it is all very close. According to The Times today, control of the Senate rests on a knife at knife's edge, according to new polls by The New York Times and Siena College. With Republican challengers in Nevada and Georgia, neck and neck with Democratic Senate incumbents and the Democratic candidate in Pennsylvania still clinging to a uh, tenuous advantage. The brightest spots for Democrats in the four key states that were polled was Arizona, where Senator Mark Kelly is holding a small but steady lead over Republican challenger Blake Masters. The uh, results indicate a deeply volatile and unpredictable Senate contest, to say the least. More people across three of the states surveyed said that they wanted Republicans to gain control of the Senate, but they preferred the individual Democratic candidate in their states for some reason. The polls surveyed likely voters, not just registered voters, but those considered likely to actually vote across these four key Senate races. Now, mind you, the way pollsters consider who is likely to vote and more importantly, how they uh, weight those people in their models, how many men versus how many women, rep you know, Republicans versus Democrats versus independents in their models, young versus old, older voters. All of that is at the heart of these polls. And if they in any way end up reflecting the electorate by the end of Election Day. That's what we don't know. We have long seen a pattern where, for example, for various reasons, Democrats poll better only to be defeated by Republicans. 
That is still very much a concern, at least of mine. But also this year, as we've discussed several times on this program with Target Smart's Tom Bonnier, there is a possibility that major pollsters are not changing their models to adequately uh, reflect what has happened in this country since the Dobbs decision by the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Have they changed their models to accurately reflect what Bonnier has described to us as a jaw-dropping increase in the gender gap for new registrants this year as compared to previous years, particularly midterm years? But not only a gender gap with more women signing up as new voters, but a huge increase of uh, new women voters as compared to men following the Dobbs ruling, but also a noteworthy gap in young voters and young Democratic women signing up to vote for the first time, which may or may not be correctly reflected in the results from these major pollsters. In any event, according to the new surveys uh, in Arizona, Georgia, Nevada and Pennsylvania, Mark Kelly, the Democratic incumbent senator in Arizona, he holds the biggest lead of those four states ahead of Blake Masters, the Republican, by 51 to 45 percent in Arizona. Nevada, on the other hand, is the tightest of the races, with the Democratic incumbent Senator Catherine Cortez Masto uh, and her Republican challenger, Adam Laxalt, locked in a dead heat at 47 percent each, 47 to 47 Now, in Pennsylvania, voters were about evenly divided on which party they wanted to control the Senate. But Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, a Democrat, is still up against Mehmet Oz, the former TV doctor and host uh, by uh, Fetterman over uh, Oz at this point. Forty nine percent to forty four percent. So a five point advantage still for John Fetterman, if you believe this poll, if they have their models correct. That for the open seat held by a retiring Republican and what Democrats have long regarded as their best chance to flip a Republican seat in the Senate. Of course, if Democrats lose the seat, for example, in Nevada while winning in Pennsylvania, well, we'll be back to a 50-50 majority for Democrats with Vice President Kamala Harris breaking the tie. But it won't be enough for Democrats to reform the undemocratic filibuster rule in the U.S. Senate in order to codify the abortion and privacy rights protections of Roe v. Wade into law. For that, they're going to need at least two more members in the U.S. Senate. Or to overcome the corrupt Republican majority on the U.S. Supreme Court, nor will it uh, be enough to do the same in order to reform the corrupt court itself, which can be done with simple majorities in both the House and the Senate and a signature from the president, but only if the Democratic Senate majority is large enough to do that. And if the Democrats can somehow hold on to the majority in the U.S. House as well, and only if President Biden can be talked into doing the right thing on court reform which is a whole lot of ifs, I understand, but it beats the alternative. Uh, He has also, uh, you know, been talked into other similar positions that he did not want to take previously, like student loan forgiveness, uh, things about climate change, prescription drug reform, reform of marijuana laws and pardons for federal marijuana offenders. A whole bunch of stuff that Democrats have done 
in the past two years since Biden took office, and liars out there, even on your public airwaves, will tell you they haven't done a thing. They are lying to you. Unless $400 billion for climate change, the largest single investment in the world, in world history, not just in the U.S., but in world history, unless that is, well, doing nothing. Anyway, I digress. The uh, fourth state that was polled by The Times is Georgia, where it has frankly been stunning to me, frankly, from the jump that former football player Herschel Walker has been polling as well as he has, given his delusional life story, his endless string of lies, his violent past of domestic violence. His secret children with four different women, threats to law enforcement that he has made, and what is now alleged to be a second woman who has come forward to claim that she had an abortion at the urging of Walker himself, who pretends to be anti-abortion in all cases, including rape, incest, and the life of the mother. Which, by the way, if you haven't been paying attention is what the uh, Republicans would like to do across the entire country. They have said as much. In Georgia, the incumbent Democratic Senator uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock leads narrowly over Walker at this point by three points, according to this new polling, 49 to 46 percent. So Democrats leading narrowly in three of those states and tied in one. Well, that doesn't sound like the so-called red wave that the media have been uh, warning us about for the last week or two, but it still certainly could be. The candidates on all sides are campaigning hard as we head into the final week. Here was Pastor Jama Bryant in Lithonia, Georgia, over the weekend at a rally for the Democratic Senator Reverend Warnock. Ladies and gentlemen, when the Republican Party of Georgia moved Herschel Walker from Texas to Georgia so that he could run for Senate, it's because change was taking too fast in the post-antebellum South. The state had been flipped blue, and there are some principalities that were not prepared for a black man and a Jewish man to go to Senate at the exact same time. So they figured that they would delude us by picking somebody who they thought would in fact represent us better with a football than with a degree in philosophy. They thought we were so slow, that we were so stupid, that we would elect the lowest caricature of a stereotypical broken black man as opposed to somebody who is educated and erudite and focused. Y'all ain't ready for me today. Since Herschel Walker was 16 years old, white men been telling him what to do telling him what school to go to, where to live, where to eat, where to buy a house, where to run, where to sit down, where to sleep, where to pay for abortions, where to buy a gun. And they, you think they not going to tell him how to vote? In 2022, we don't need a walker. We need a runner. We need somebody who going to run and tell the truth about January 6th. We need somebody who going to run and push for the cancellation of student loan debts. We need somebody who going to run and make the former president respond to a subpoena. We don't need a walker. We need somebody who will be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, knowing that your
your labor is not in vain. Georgia, I need you to know the slave Negroes y'all are used to don't live here no more. We can think for ourselves, function for ourselves, and vote for ourselves. Why? Because we don't need a walker. <laughs> oh, man. That was Pastor Jamil Bryant in uh, Lithonia, Georgia, over the weekend at a rally for Reverend uh, Senator Reverend Warnock. I, I mispronounced his name before that clip. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a barn burner, I think. Ain't it, though? Uh, there are also chances for Senate seat flips from Republican to Democratic in Wisconsin. As you uh, heard President Obama referencing at the top of the show, he was on fire as well. Uh, there are chances in Ohio and in North Carolina and even in Florida. Long, long shots, but there are chances. The Times did not poll those states here in this particular poll. And Republicans are said to be leaning by pretty thin margins, frankly, in each of them. But as they say, it will all come down to turnout. Are you going to turn out no matter where you live? With election deniers and liars in all 50 states on the ballot ready to undermine democracy itself? Will you get to 2024 or, frankly, will you get to uh, Wednesday of next week and wonder, you know what? Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I should have voted. Because I'll tell you what, there are some ugly, scary, terrifying scenarios that I foresee when it comes to American democracy and the globe thereafter. Based on what happens on Tuesday, November 8th, and in the days between now and then. Are you going to turn out? If not, why not? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. If so, why so? 818-985-KPFK. And finally, before we get to a quick break here and then to your calls, uh, we were off on Friday, so I didn't get to ring in on the assassination attempt last Friday on the Speaker of the House. This, of course, was uh, at least the second such attempt since a mob of Trump supporters attempted to assassinate Nancy Pelosi last year during the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. In her first official statement over the weekend uh, on the Friday morning attack against her husband, Paul Pelosi, uh, the uh, speaker said, quote, a violent man broke into our family home, demanded to confront to confront me and brutally attacked my husband, Paul, our children, our grandchildren. And I are heartbroken and traumatized by the life threatening attack on our pop. Paul Pelosi remains in the hospital after surgery. But according to the speaker, his condition continues to improve. But we learned a lot about this guy over the weekend. It looks like he brought zip ties with him when he broke into the couple's San Francisco home, echoing the uh, Capitol riot uh, of January 6, 2021, when uh, some of those attackers also brought zip ties with them to try to, uh, well, tie up whoever they could find. Just over one week before the November 8 election that will determine the control of Congress, the attack was an unsettling reminder of the nation's toxic political climate right now. Threats to public officials are said to be at an all-time high, and members of Congress are being urged to reach out for additional security resources if they need it. Just weeks ago, Republicans were said to be outraged by peaceful protests outside of homes of members of the U.S. Supreme Court. 
demanding that Congress approve more security for them and their families, which they did. By way of contrast, many GOP elected officials and candidates actually made jokes over the weekend about an actual assassination attempt against Nancy Pelosi and the brutal attack on her husband that fractured his skull with a hammer. I will spare you those jokes. I will note that as of today, the former president, perhaps smartly, has posted no comment at all about the assault. Though during an interview that he taped on Friday, he tried to link it to crime in U.S. cities. Crime is up. That must be what happened. Well, in fact, uh, this man, the suspect here, 42-year-old David DePape, who uh, confronted Paul Pelosi in the family's home early on Friday, demanded to know, quote, where is Nancy? They uh, struggled over a hammer as uh, the uh, police showed up at the house in response to a 911 call. The attacker was arrested on suspicion of attempted murder, elder abuse and burglary. And on Monday afternoon, he was also charged with fed- by federal authorities on separate charges of attempted kidnapping and assault with intent to retaliate against a federal official by threatening or injuring a family member. Eero, eerie echoes of the January 6th riot were apparent in the incident at Pelosi's home where the attacker cried, where is Nancy? You may recall that when the rioters swarmed the Capitol, they also roamed the halls and shouted menacingly, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? So uh, we have learned more about this uh, guy And I do want to get to your calls, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But suffice to say, going through his blogs and his uh, statements on uh, on websites and social media sites and so forth, he um, well, he was a election 2020 election denier and liar who thought the entire thing was a fraud. He followed QAnon and all of the other far right toxic nonsense and, um, you know, statements against Democrats. And he embraced the false claim that the November 2020 election was stolen. He reposted the bogus claims of my pillow CEO, Mike Lindell. He reposted videos from YouTube denouncing the investigation of the January 6th attack as a, quote, farce. He posted uh, memes that were anti-Semitic and anti-Semitic language. He alleged the existence of a, quote, communist agenda in schools. Now, where would he get that idea? And many of the tropes of uh, QAnon, which alleges, of course, that Democratic figures engage in pedophilia and drink the former blood of babies. Yes, it sounds ridiculous. Yes, it is a conspiracy theory, but it is one that the former president has gone out of his way to refuse to condemn this guy who attacked Paul Pelosi, Nancy uh, Pelosi's husband, with a hammer crushing his skull. Uh, He bought into this stuff that Donald Trump refuses to condemn. He published hundreds of blog posts in recent months sharing memes in support of fringe commentators and far-right personalities filled with screeds against Jews, black people, Democrats, the media, and transgender people. During October, he published over 100 posts, a drawing of the devil kneeling and asking a caricature of a Jewish person to teach him the arts of, quote, lying, deception, cheating and incitement. Several contain lifelike zombified images of Bill Gates and Hillary Clinton. 
In the last week of September, as the Justice Department filed a motion to seek uh, seeking to compel former Trump advisor Peter Navarro to return government emails, DePape blogged that any journalist saying there is no evidence of election fraud in 2020, quote, should be dragged straight out into the street and shot. Yeah, that's the guy who tried to assassinate the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. And yet, uh, as of Monday, it seems to me that the story of an attempted assassination, an attempt on the Democratic Speaker of the House, whose husband's skull was smashed in by a hammer, has pretty much all but disappeared from the front pages, remarkably enough. Will it have any effect at all on this year's midterm elections and the Democrats' Hopes of holding on to their majority there? I don't know. My phone, but you might. My phone number is 818-985-5735 if you'd like to ring in on that or anything else so far discussed or even anything I haven't discussed. These are your public airwaves. Use them before you lose them entirely. No, I ain't kidding about that. 818-985-5735. I'm Brad Friedman, and you're listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Perhaps you remember Senator Barry Goldwater, the GOP's fringy far-right wing 1964 presidential nominee who famously said, extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. Today, however, the core of the Republican Party has gone so far beyond the fringe that they would boo Goldwater's right-wingism as insufficiently rabid. Instead, their new rallying cry is, nuttiness in the defense of extremism is no vice. The GOP's mainline officialdom now proclaim themselves the party of extremism. They are openly embracing the crazy, including conspiracy theorists, neo-confederates, and QAnon cultists, hoping to harness the fanatical horsepower of these anti-democratic groups to the party's true purpose of entrenching the supremacy of corporate and moneyed elites. Now, this extremism is about to erupt in the GOP's presidential primary, for a whole covey of these cooing right-wingers have fantasies of taking the group's radical agenda to the White House. All of them are trying to out-extreme each other with raw-meat bigotry and autocratic posturing, but two wannabes have emerged as both the most bullish and bullying, Greg Abbott of Texas and Ron DeSantis of Florida. For months, these big state governors have been locked in a far-right kook-off, including outlawing free speech, banning books, viciously attacking immigrants, preempting local elections and governments, and denying health care to poor people. 
Bear in mind that Abbott and DeSantis are not merely pontificating, posturing, and promising what they might do in the White House. As governors, they're actually practicing it right now. This is Jim Hightower saying, I don't know if Abbott and DeSantis are the worst that the GOP can do, but pay attention for today's Republican elites intend to pull our democracy down into the plutocratic, autocratic, and theocratic maelstrom they're creating. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yeah, talking to you young Americans out there. Give us a call, 818-985-5735. We are one week away from the critical midterm elections. 818-985-KPFK. I'd love to go to my first caller, but Desi, you got some, you got the screen. There we go. Thank you very much. Let me go to Lamar in Los Angeles. Hey, Lamar, welcome to the Bradcast, sir. Uh, Brad, how are you doing? I'm hanging in. What's up? That's good. Uh, first of all, I really like your show, and um, I had a question for you, and I'm wondering if you concur with me on this. Mm-hmm. In relationship to uh, inflation, uh, there was a, a ban on exports from the big oil companies that was lifted during the Trump administration. And I'm wondering, since that ban was lifted, these big oil companies are exporting their oil maybe as much as 30 percent of what they have mm-hmm. to overseas yep. in the national market. And that's contributing to inflation because it limits the supply we have here. I wonder if you agree with that on this on that particular point. I completely agree with you as far as big oil uh, causing inflation, and it's not really right. debatable uh, because they are inflating their prices. Uh, they're making record profits right now. They're making at least 50 percent more than they would have made just based on, you know, supply chain issues. So, you know, it's hard to say that, uh, well, we had to raise our prices uh, because of supply chain and, you know, everything else when you are making record profits like never before. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on uh, on that. And I would also note I would be remiss if I didn't that the uh, Democrats actually had a bill in the House to prevent price gouging by big oil and every single Republican voted against it. So you can hate Democrats if you want. Just know the truth about them. That's my response, Lamar. Shocker. What I'm wondering is, does it have anything to do with those big oil companies exporting their oil? If they export the oil, that leaves less here for us, limits the supply. And so basic economics means the price is going to go up. Well, I got you. And uh, I, I think that the oil market is a global market, so I'm not sure how much it affects the specifically the inflation here in the U.S. versus what the big oil companies decide they wish to charge. Desi Doyen, yeah, I, I think that's that's, closer, that's to closer to what's actually happening. Exporting crude oil means it just gets refined elsewhere and it deprives U.S. refineries of business. However, the export of natural gas, domestically produced natural gas, that surge of liquid natural gas export terminals here in the United States has raised natural gas prices on Americans because now Americans have to compete with China and Europe and the rest of the world for U.S. produced natural gas. So crude oil exports, not so much, but definitely natural gas has infected the price. Got it, Lamar? One more quick, very quick question. Very quick. I got a lot of folks who want to get in. I've been hearing from Cargo and other people that the GOP has told us what they would do if they took over, like, uh, banning abortions, obviously. Yep. 
and uh, uh, shutting down the government so yep. we could, they could cut off Social Security and Medicare. Yep. Do you agree with that? Yep. That's true. Well, it is true. That is what they have told us. Of course, I don't agree with it. But, yeah, I agree that that is absolutely what they said they would do. They have said they would do it. They have said it out loud. Thanks, Lamar. You got it right. No, I'm sorry. I got. I want to get a, uh, to a bunch of other folks, but you are absolutely right and on the money. Thank you, brother. I really do appreciate the call. 818-985-KPFK. Nice to have the phones working again in it. Let's go to Ed, also in Los Angeles. There we go. Hey, Ed, welcome to the broadcast, sir. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, this is my first time calling in. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Um, I'm not happy with, with the Democrats. I'm not happy with the fact that we're going to run out of diesel fuel and possibly 20 days, and no one's really talking about what the solution is to that. However, however, this is really and crucially important, and this is a no-brainer. Everybody's got to get out next week and vote for, for Democrats, and here's why. And this is a really crucial reason. Um, women's abortion rights must be upheld and must be maintained. The Supreme Court justices who voted against uh, women having an abortion, especially the men, they're women haters. That's my opinion. But they, if, unless a man can have a baby and have an embryo grow inside that person, they shouldn't be telling a woman what she can and can't do mm. with her body. So to me, it's crucial that people get out and vote for Democrats next week. We've got to move this country forward, not backward. Well done, Ed. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate that call. Uh, Desi Doyen, do you know about that, um, uh, the diesel issue? Yes, there is a a, a running, we're running short on distillates, and it's kind of complicated, but it has a lot to do with Russia, uh, sort of, uh, you know, causing global energy shortages, but also because U.S. refineries have not ramped back up in production like they were supposed to. April in Loma Linda. Hey, April, welcome to the broadcast. What is on your mind one week out from the critical midterm election day? I uh, was listening to the Garland Nixon show. Oh, boy. Before yours came on. Mm-hmm. And I heard, um, you know, it, it, I turned it on, I think about 2.30, and um, he was talking about John Conyers and, oh, yeah, you know, I've been great guy, I'm thinking too, and I'm agreeing all along. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, Mr. Nixon got into about, you know, he's very critical of both parties, and mm-hmm. at one point he said, I hate both parties, and I'm an independent, and all and all. Yeah, and then he recommended and people vote about, for Republicans. I heard that part. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he made some statements about, he's, he's leftist, don't get me wrong, and all this stuff. But then this very disturbing remark, and I'm not prepared to say he knew what he was talking about and was deliberately spreading misinformation. In fact, he may have been a victim of disinformation himself, especially if he gets some, a lot of his news on, say, social media or some that sort of thing, mm-hmm. so-called news. Yep. He stated, and anybody who was listening can verify what I'm saying, and if somebody at KPFK can mm-hmm. go back and listen, they will hear mm-hmm. it with their own ears. Yep. He said... And this was said in the, within the context of where he was talking about uh, police brutality against uh, black men in particular. That, that they should shoot him in the and legs. Said, yes, that Joe Biden remark yeah. uh, about Joe Biden says they should shoot him in the legs. And I said, first, my, my first reaction was, oh, no, Trump made that shoot him in the legs remark about migrants trying to cross into the U.S., asylum mm. seekers, whomever. Yeah. You know? And now he either has, you know, just got excited or he just made a mistake, you know, an honest mistake, or uh, somebody else's lies. But the point is, since he has a public microphone, 
if this is clearly pointed out to him, I feel, and he's spending a lot of time talking about morality, too, which is fine. Well, <laughs> We all can use that. Yeah. But that he needs to get online and correct that. Yeah, he's not going yes. to April. Now, and I let me tell you why. And I, I don't mean to, I, I, I don't mean but, to cut but, you, you know, off. I know that. Uh, yeah. yeah well, I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but we've got a lot of folks who want to get in. Uh, we're nearing the top of the hour. And because our show is syndicated, that means I, I don't want people to misunderstand. We're on a lot of radio stations where they don't have the same lead in that we do here at our flagship station, KPFK, where Garland Nixon leads in. Uh, here's what I need to tell you so you know and listeners of KPFK understand. Garland Nixon is literally paid by the Kremlin to broadcast two hours a day, five days a week on a station called Sputnik. He is really? literally, uh, you know, sharing what is Russian propaganda. Now, I think wow. it's infuriating that at the very least that is not clear and uh, disclosed transparently at the top and the bottom and the middle and every few minutes on his show. But if you wonder about that information, um, there's a lot that is demonstrably false about it. But his most troubling, however, is that he's not transparent about uh who pays his his uh, his bills, April? So well, wow! I'm yeah. glad that I'm hearing this now because I didn't have a clue about this. this I know time I've ever heard. And, and I'm now, once again. S- did you say Sputnik or Splitnik? Sput Sputnik. Split as in Sputnik Sput news. Yeah, you can you can go look Gar- Garland okay. Nixon Sputnik, and you'll you'll see okay. he two hours a day, five five days a week, uh, which I find uh, appalling that it is not disclosed here. But uh, that yeah, would explain well, a lot of the misinformation that you may be getting there, April. Thank yeah, you. okay, because I hope that, you know, other people, and I mean, just like they were trashing, so many people were trashing Hillary Clinton, making up all sorts of terrible lies. Yep. Now it looks like Joe Biden's going to be a victim. And, you know, I kept thinking, you know, there's always a possibility that, you know, even though I'm a news junkie, I, somebody somewhere may have said, you know, something mm-hmm. that I didn't hear. You know, mm-hmm. I don't hear 100 percent of everything every public official and political leader says, mm-hmm. you know. I uh, was willing to, you know, always yep. never be too, too certain myself. But, okay, I'm glad I called in. Thank yep. you for the opportunity. And I'm glad that uh, what I just heard, a lot of other people just heard. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, April. Right. I appreciate Good that. Show. Thank you. 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Yeah, there is a lot of misinformation and disinformation, and a lot of it comes from people who say that they are on the left. And some of those people may be lying. Some of those people may actually believe what they are uh, what they are telling you. You know, but if you can go uh, an hour, as happened in the previous hour here uh, at KPFK, talking about the Ukrainian war, uh, the war on Ukraine by Russia and uh, deriding imperialistic powers for their uh, violence and not condemn Russia for that. I don't know what world you're living in, man, because I'm anti-war. Just like Garland and many other folks on the left, uh, you know, say they are. I am against an empire attacking a sovereign nation. I was against it when it was the U.S. doing it in Iraq or any other numerous places. And I am against it when it is Russia attacking their sovereign neighbor. And no, I'm not going to go out of my way to blame other people rather than those who are actually causing the death and violence and war crimes. 
But maybe that's just me. I'm transparent, and I tell the truth. Matt in San Luis Obispo. Uh, San Luis Obispo, uh, welcome to the broadcast, Matt. Yes, hi. Um, first of all, I would like to implore people to vote. And yes, the Democrats are captured by industry, all this, that, and the other. But this is down to the wire. This is naked fascism. Um trying to take over yep and we we can't have it thank you for and noticing matt i appreciate that because you know a lot of people think that uh because i'm calling for democrats uh to be elected this year that somehow this means i'm supporting the democratic party that i think they're wonderful i don't but look at the alternative and it may be your last chance to yeah. to do that look matt uh i gotta i gotta jump out here because i want to get to okay. as many calls as i can in the next few minutes thanks matt i really appreciate okay. your thought uh let me uh who go to uh veronica in newport beach hey veronica welcome to the broadcast i've got just a minute or so what's on your mind okay hey brad thanks hey. for your show sure thank you i just wanted to clarify herschel walker's stance on abortion mm-hmm He's against abortion in all cases, yep. including rape, incest, and when the life of the mother is at stake, yep. except when the father of the fetus desires an abortion. In <laughs> right. that case, it's to be permitted. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, if if he yeah. happens to be the father in any event. Yeah, no, it, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And of all of the races that are out there, that is the one that has stunned me, frankly, over the past, uh, I don't know how many months, that it is as close as it is, especially when you have such a terrible candidate in Herschel Walker and, frankly, a great candidate in uh, Reverend Raphael Warnick, Mm -hmm. who's just a tremendous guy. Then, of course, we have to add in my serious concerns about the voting system across the state of Georgia, which is 100 percent unverifiable. And boy, uh, this could be a a nail biter, to say the least, between now and and next week and maybe beyond, because, Veronica, this may go to a runoff in Georgia. And have you heard of um, Greg Powell's new film on this? I have. Just coming out? Yeah. Great. I have, uh, where people are allowed to challenge uh, folks on the voting rolls now. Uh, it's it's a hell of a fight. And, uh, you know, I hope folks, even on the left, realize we do not have the luxuries that you may think we have to throw all of this away. That's why I've been trying to share what I have this hour. Thanks, Veronica. I appreciate that call. Uh, do we have time for one more? Freddie, uh, it's going to have to be quick. Freddie in L.A. Hey, Freddie, welcome to the broadcast, sir. If you said that Biden did not make those remarks about shooting uh, the cops shooting folks in the leg, I said I don't know if he did. He did. There's a clip. I believe he was in a black church. I've seen it more than once. He Mm -hmm. did make those comments. Trump may have made similar comments. I don't know, but Biden certainly made those comments. All right. And and the other thing is, um, I'm wondering if you're willing. I don't work for RT or Sputnik. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you would be willing to debate me. I'm not on their payroll, but, you know, you make a lot of statements on your show, mm-hmm. and uh, I say let's, uh, let's have a debate. I'm willing to do it. I don't, you know, Garland, is, uh, <laughs> it's been brought up on his show that, that you disparage him. He just lets it go. Mm-hmm. I'm prepared to debate you. Okay. So, well, uh, here's the thing. Uh, we, we have a lot to cover. Here's the thing, Freddie. 
We have a lot to cover on this show. I've got about uh, 60 seconds left, as a matter of fact, before I have to get out. We've got a lot to cover on this show that I think are important day after day after day, rather than platforming what I believe to be misinformation and lies. Now, Garland does take calls, so you could call him, and you guys could both agree on that all you like. And I've even said on air, I'm happy to go on Garland's show. I'm just not going to poison my own airwaves with what I believe uh, to be a toxic lies. But you're also willing to uh, be able to call me any time and disagree uh, anytime you like. I just want everyone to be transparent. People that disagree with you. What's that? Are you willing to have a town hall debate with people that disagree with you? So uh, if, if it is something of note, if it is going to improve our democracy, I'm all for it. If it's going to be a matter of explaining how I believe one side is lying and the other side is not, uh, frankly, I believe that's a waste of all of our time with the uh, planet uh, melting before our very eyes. Freddie, I got to go. Give me a call next week, I promise, or the week after. We'll try to talk to you anytime we can. I'm always happy to uh, discuss issues, okay? Okay. Thanks, uh, Freddie. Last call. Do I have time, Desi, for uh, Morris? Because it's not a broadcast with phones. Hey, all the phone lines work this time, by the way, Des. I know. Uh, what happened? Something's gone terribly wrong. Oh, Mo in Long Beach. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. What do you got for us? Hillary Clinton looked pretty good compared to Donald Trump. Now, didn't she? <laughs> well, I think so, but it's odd that you got a lot of folks on the right and on the left who have been misinformed and may feel differently about it, Mo. Oh, there he goes. All right, we lost him. That's okay, because i got to get the hell out of here anyway. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Yout Orozco, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. You'll find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Bradblog. I'll see you there until we see you here, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, ghosts and goblins are going door to door to gather up candy. But did you know that some of that candy is made by union workers? In Hershey, Pennsylvania, tagged the sweetest place on earth, you'll find the nation's chocolate center. It wasn't always so sweet for workers, though, who in 1937 tried to win union recognition. Then the company laid off some of the union organizers, claiming it was due 
due to seasonal cutbacks. Outraged, 600 workers began a sit-down strike in the plant. Local dairy farmers, relying on Hershey to purchase their milk, grew increasingly angry at the strikers. They joined with workers not participating in the strike and other community members. The angry mob stormed the plant to oust the strikers. 25 strikers were severely beaten and the sit-down strike ended. But the next year, the Hershey workers tried again to form a union. This time, they affiliated with the bakery and confectionery workers International Union of America and established Local 464. They are not the only union members who help make Halloween sweet. Today, bakery, confectionery, tobacco, and grain millers union Local 1 in Chicago, Illinois, makes Tootsie Rolls. If your candy of choice is Clark Bar or Thin Mints, you might want to thank the members of Local 348 in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And Local 125 makes Giardelli chocolate in San Francisco. Unfortunately, things are not always so sweet. In September of 2016, 400 workers at the Just Born Candy Factory in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania went out on strike. The company decided to change their pensions to a 401k for new hires and reduce health care contributions. They they make such iconic candies as Peeps, Mike and Ike's, and Hot Tamales. One strike slogan rang out, no pensions, no Peeps.